teaching. Father, thank you so much for your love. We've already prayed, we've already sung today, and now we pray, Lord, your spirit would work in our heart through the teaching of your word, specifically the power that's alive in your scriptures. And so, Father, I pray that you would not only give me in this moment the words to say, but I pray that you would give all of us uh, the ears to hear what you, you want us to hear today, and that your spirit would have freedom in this room to work as you wish. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, obviously, last week we started a new series called Jesus, which I love saying that we have a series that's called Jesus at church. I don't know why that's like fun to me. We're talking about Jesus, uh, but we are. And really, it's subtitled, of course, He Changed Everything About Everything, and I really believe that he did. And I think most of us, if we have any sense of history and any sense of really what's gone on in this world for the last 2,000 years, we would agree that Jesus changed everything about everything, and he's still changing everything about every, everything. In these first few weeks of the series, I want to deal with some of the what I believe, not I can't deal with all of it in just a few weeks' time, but I want to deal with some of the foundational, if you will, uh, things about Jesus, his ministry, his purpose. And then as we get into the summer even more, we're going to kind of even look at... Uh, some of the encounter stories of uh, Jesus and people that he's encountered, some of the specific teachings he had. Um, this is, we can clearly talk about Jesus for a long, long time, and uh, so we're going to do it forever. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We, this is our last series. <clears throat> so today, <laughs> so today I want to talk about, um, I want to talk about the message of Jesus and what was he saying to us? Uh, and I don't know if you've ever wondered or asked yourself, what was the central thing, the central message of Jesus? Uh, perhaps you're someone who's curious and you haven't quite landed what you believe about God or what you believe about Jesus or the church. Perhaps you're someone who has a lot of questions. Maybe you've been skeptical, curious, doubtful, hopeful, maybe all those things at once. Anybody been there in your life? And, and I think a lot of people, they come to church and they look around and go, is this, is this what Jesus said that we're supposed to do? Is this, is this it? Are we doing it? And I believe there's a lot of really great questions out there, not only about God and church, but of course Jesus. And some of those questions are very clear and they might be considered black and white and some aren't. Some aren't black and white as simple yes, no, or this or that. There is some complexity to it. And so if you're someone here today that has questions or wonders or has doubts or wonders if the Bible is really completely accurate, or someone that wonders if Jesus was everything that people say that he was, I would think that the real message of Jesus would be interesting to you, because you have curiosity, right? You're kind of like, I'm not quite sure if I... So what, is he re... what was he really saying? What was the central message? And then some of us in this room, I know this is be true, because I know that some of you are new to the faith, new meaning in the last few years, you've given your life to Jesus, you've started following him, and if someone was going to ask you, hey, what was the central message of Jesus? You'd be like, uh, well, I sort of know. I, I, and you would have a little bit of, you maybe lack a little of the confidence to say, this is exactly what the central message of Jesus was. But, uh, and so what you would say is, I know I need him. I know I need Jesus in my life, but I don't know if I could just sit down with someone and just like, bam, 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 here's, here's what Jesus is really saying. And so it's really interesting that the central message of Jesus is one that for a lot of us, even for those of us in the room that said, I've been a part of church forever, I've grown up in church, I know all the stories about the Bible, I know probably every story about Jesus, and if I said, well, what's the central message of Jesus, you'd be like, I don't know, maybe, maybe, is it love? And so we come up with these ideas that maybe the central message of Jesus was love, which is a great message, and is a really important message, but was the central message? Is it the thing that really was, like, the thing of Jesus? 
You know what I mean? And for some of us, maybe we say, well, you know, it's the grace and forgiveness of Jesus. Is that the central message? Is that why he came? Some would say, well, it's, you know, it's, he says, you know, do not judge one another. So we shouldn't be judgmental towards one another. And, and, and honestly, even though that seems like, oh, that's definitely not central message. There's a lot of people that live that way, right? Like they, they base their whole premise of Jesus based on how harsh and how much judgment is out there. Or perhaps they say, no, it's all about faith. That's what it is. All good things, all relevant things, all very important things in the message of Jesus. So as we start, I want to continue a conversation we began last week out of the book of Mark. And so if you have a Bible, you can open up the book, the book of Mark chapter 1. And we're going to try and start. We're not going to be able to cover everything today about the message of Christ, but I think we can get a good beginning. And so the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, they obviously share a lot of the same stories, a lot of the same teachings, but they are all also distinctly different, aren't they? They all have a little bit of their own flavor and all, a little bit of their own differences. So if you've ever read them, you know that if you haven't read them much, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the stories of Jesus, and they are the teachings of his life, and they're called the Gospels because the Gospel is the story of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, right? And so the Gospels themselves are the four accounts given by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Mark is the shortest of them. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean he has the least amount to say. It just means that he's the quickest to the point, really. Um, I don't know if you've ever been around someone that's like, takes forever to get to the point. You know what I mean? You're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Can you just get to the point, right? You know what I mean? And, and Mark's like, bam, bam, bam. He gets straight to it, even right out of the gate in Mark 1. He's like, in Mark, in the middle of Mark 1, he's like where Matthew is in like chapter 7 or something. You know what I mean? Like Matthew's like, well, you don't understand. He had this just genealogy. If you go all the way back in time, let me tell you about this. Where Jesus, and Mark's just like, let's just get to it. What did he come to say? And this is what we're doing in Mark 1. And so Mark 1, verse 14, is kind of where we began last week because there's this original claim to fame, this original coming out statement, if you will, and this little grand entrance of Jesus is given right here, given concisely and accurately in Mark 1, starting in verse 14. It says this, After John was put in prison, which is always a great way to begin a sentence, John, known as John the Baptist, put in prison for preaching, and we'll come back to those five interesting words later. After John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the, good, or preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. So Jesus announces the kingdom of God. We covered this last week. He declares and announces his kingship, that he is going to be the king of this kingdom he's announcing, right? And we need... We need to see this like Jesus is inaugurating the in-breaking kingdom of God, is how we'll say this today. So I want to begin with that slide today, that today we are going to be talking about the in-breaking kingdom of God. He's coming out with this statement to preach the gospel, of course, to preach the good news of the kingdom. And this is where I think we start to get into, if this is the very first thing that Jesus says, what is his central message? And we're going to start kind of trying to figure it out from where he begins, all right? So the very first thing Mark records after the announcement. So what does he say right after that? That's important to know. We're not actually going to put it on the screen, but I'll just quickly tell you. The very next little section is about him going and calling the disciples. And he goes and calls them, and he says what? He says, hey, I want you to drop your nets and follow me. 
right? And so the very first thing after he announces his kingdom, he starts saying, okay, I'm going to ask people to follow me. I'm going to ask people to follow me. I'm going to ask people to make me your king. And then he even goes as far as to say, drop your nets, which means drop everything, change everything about your life to follow me. You understand that? This is what he's saying. I want you, I, everything that, if you follow me, it's going to change everything about everything. So this is where he begins, which we're not even going to talk about today because we talked about that last week, about what it means for Jesus to be the king of your life for you to follow him and for you to drop everything in essence to, in order to do it, that there's nothing that would compare to Jesus in your life. So that's the first thing he says, but we're going to keep going because what does this inbreaking kingdom of God look like? Starting in verse 24, which is right after the story of the calling of some of the disciples, we see this story in which Jesus gets up to preach in a, in a synagogue on the Sabbath, which is what they would normally do, of course. The Sabbath comes around, somebody's in town. Jesus happens to be in town. He's a new rabbi. He's kind, of, he's kind of this hip guy. They're like, hey, let's see what this guy's got to say. He's not like the old rabbi that's always there. He's the guest teacher. Are you with me? And he gets up, and there's this demon-possessed man that, starts up, that stands up and starts to yell at Jesus, and this is what he says. This is, again, a demon-possessed man, which is not a good thing. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So the answer to the question, have you come to destroy us, by the way, is absolutely yes. That's exactly why he came, all right? And he says, be quiet. This is Jesus. Jesus said sternly, come out of him. And the impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. So everyone in the synagogue at this point is like, whoa, 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 who is this guy? What just happened? Because here we are used to someone coming in and talking about the Bible, but he's not just talking about the scriptures in the Bible. He's actually like living and breathing it. And the things of the Bible are happening right in front of our eyes. And so this is what they say in verse 27. The people were so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? Which I love that question. Like, I mean, that's like, completely like they're surprised, blown away. mind. They say, a new teaching and one with authority. You know what I mean? One with authority. So Jesus, just so you know, has come to destroy the works of the evil one. Just so you know. Like, inbreaking kingdom of God, Jesus has come to crush the serpent's head, and because of the inbreaking kingdom of God, the promises that come with it is to restore righteousness and dispel the evil one. So we're, we're starting to get somewhere about what is Jesus really coming to do? Right off the bat, Mark gets to the point. This happens today, by the way. People still are freed from evil. People are still freed from oppression, freed from sin, freed from the works of the enemy. I've seen it done. Perhaps, perhaps you've seen it done. So we could say it this way. The unbreaking kingdom of God, Jesus come and he crushes evil, which I love that. He crushes the serpent's head. The enemy runs and flees in his presence. Because what happens as soon as he says, get out of him, he runs with a shriek, which I like. There's a quote from a guy named Leslie Newbigin, who is a writer, noted missiologist, theologian, one of those guys, one of my faves, by the way. And he says this, Jesus was manifested to destroy the works of the devil, not to submit to them. His whole ministry is portrayed in the Gospels as a mighty onslaught on the works of the devil. Whether these took the form of sickness 
or demon possession among the people or the form of hypocrisy, cruelty, and hard-heartedness among the rulers. His whole ministry is interpreted as the inbreaking reign of God into the life of the world to release those who Satan has bound. So we've been wondering where, if you're wondering where I get the inbreaking kingdom phrase, it's right here, all right? This is one, like I said, this is coming from Leslie Newbegin. So Mark is saying that Jesus is coming to bring a kingdom, and this kingdom is actually going to crush evil and destroy the works of Satan, which is essentially setting everything right. Then, after that story, Mark's not done. A few verses later, verse 40, after Jesus goes and prays and does some stuff, he writes about, he writes about this story with Jesus meeting a leper. Verse 40, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. He's begging him on his knees, right? And he says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. So this guy, he's already got faith in Jesus, right? He's like, if you're willing, I know you can do this. It's all up to you. And Jesus was filled with compassion. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. So if you were with us a few weeks ago, uh, we told a different part of the story, a different passage in which he heals leprosy, and I talked a little bit about leprosy um, and, and what they faced living during this time of history. But rabbis called lepers the living dead. Uh, they, they were literally like zombies to people then. And it was the worst kind of disease, right? It was a, it was a life sentence to misery, uh, but it wasn't just the skin that was that was in such disrepair. It would, it would go down to the bone and down to the nervous system where they couldn't even feel their body, right? And, and, and all sorts of bad things happen when you can't feel your body. And anyway, a leper was taken from their family and their friends, put in a colony. They had no, no contact with humans. Uh, they would have to yell unclean anytime was anyone was near. Human touch was not allowed. People saw the disease as extremely contagious, right? that if the unclean touched someone clean, it would make the clean person unclean. You get me? But here's Jesus, and he comes and he does something wildly different, something completely different. You see what's happening here. Jesus shows up and there's a reversal of the power of this world. There's a reversal going on in which the inbreaking kingdom of God kind of creates this reversal happening. It's always been up to this point where the unclean contaminates the clean. But here you have the clean contaminating the unclean, and therefore the unclean becomes clean because of the clean. Are you with me? So here's, here's what's so cool about that is Jesus doesn't just say you're healed. He does what? He touches the leper, right? And the clean touches the unclean, and the, the, clean, the unclean becomes clean. His, his skin becomes clean and fresh, not just the skin, but all the way down to the bone and down to the nervous system. This guy is made new. Are you with me? And so what happens in this, what the inbreaking kingdom of God does, is it says this. It says, I'm actually going to restore not only the unclean, but I'm going to restore what's broken. And so the inbreaking kingdom of God is saying, I'm coming not only to crush the evil one, but I'm coming to restore the broken. And this is, this is what Jesus is saying. This is what Mark, he gets right into it. And this is, he does it through story, and he does it through example, through what Jesus is actually doing. Jesus is ushering in something different. He's changing everything about everything. So let's just keep going, shall we? Mark is telling us what the message of Jesus is all about. Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 1, we read a story about a man who's paralyzed 
and Jesus comes to his town, and Jesus is teaching in a house, and this paralyzed man has four friends who decide, hey, I want to get this paralyzed man to Jesus because maybe Jesus can do something for him. So these four friends carry him. You guys are probably familiar with the story to the house, but the house is so packed, so full. People are coming or kind of running out of the house. They can't even get up to the house because there are so many people. But of course, they have this brilliant idea in which they decide, we're not going to give up. We'll just go on the roof and go through the roof to get our friend to Jesus, which is an amazing plan. By the way, I want to think that way when I encounter problems. Are you with me? Like when I come up to a problem, go, oh my gosh, I can't, am I going to, I want to be able, let's just go through the roof. You know what I mean? Like, let's just come up with a different way to do what we need to get done. And this is what they do. So his friends, they have this idea. So you can imagine Jesus is teaching in this home and all of a sudden dirt begins to fall from the ceiling, Right? There begins to fall from the ceiling, and everybody in the room is looking around like, what is going on? And then all of a sudden, this roof made of dried dirt and clay, but also tiles, they're able to kind of pull back these tiles, kind of chop through the, the mud that's there, and, and they create a hole in the roof. And there's an interruption at this moment. We've got to think about that. that. Jesus is being interrupted in his teaching. And so I'm sure everybody in the room is like, what is going to happen this, not, this new teaching, this guy with authority that they know has it, is now uh, being interrupted by some four crazy guys dropping in a dude from the roof. And they, they drop him. I don't know. I mean, I always have imagined it. They dropped him right in front of him. I just feel like that's, that would have been the most dramatic way, and Jesus knew what they were going to do, so he, just, he kind of positioned himself to be ready. You know what I mean? We'll just give Jesus the credit, not them. So Jesus was standing in the right spot, and they came down. And I'm sure, you know, everybody looks up this newly installed skylight in the house. And, ah, you know, and, um, <clears throat> and these four guys are looking down like, eh, you know what I mean? Like, I think they're like looking down like, look what we did. They, they are proud of themselves at the moment, I'm sure. I, don't, I, I, I just want to think that way. I don't think they're scared. I think they're proud of themselves for being so brilliant. And so Jesus says this in verse 5. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. I want you to think about what Jesus does here. It's a little unexpected. The guy shows up unannounced. These guys do something bold. And they lower the paralyzed man in front of Jesus. And then he says, your sins are forgiven. I mean, this is like, what? It really is, if you think about it, we're, we're used to the, the story and we just kind of read past it like, oh yeah, Jesus, forgive me. I mean, think about this. If someone shows up into our life, this church somewhere, and they have obvious physical suffering going on, obvious need that they have to be met in that moment, and we look at them and go, your sins are forgiven. How odd does that feel? They have a present, very visible physical, physical suffering going on. And Jesus says something strange. But I, I look at it like this. He was dealing with something deeper, wasn't he, than physical suffering. Jesus, Jesus obviously cares about physical suffering. By the way, in this story, as we know, he goes on and heals the guy. So he, guys, he cares about this guy's suffering. But he deals with something else first. He deals with what we all deal with. The real internal struggle and suffering we all face 
And what else is going on in the room is interesting. And again, I'm not reading this um, out of the scripture. I'm sort of paraphrasing just for us this morning. But if you read the story, Jesus calls out something else that's going on in the room that's a little interesting. He, people are thinking, like, who is he to forgive sins? Who's this guy? Who think, nobody can do that but God. And to which Jesus says to them, hey, I know what you're thinking. Literally, because I'm God and I can read your minds. You know what I mean? That's what's going on here. He's like, I literally know what you're thinking. And he says, you're thinking, what is easier for me to just tell this guy his sins are forgiven or to, what if we saw this guy get up and walk? Which one's easier? And if that's ever sounded like a trick question to you, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven because who knows if that's happened. It's just like, oh, he can just say that. And who knows if it actually really happened. So that's what Jesus is saying. I know it's easier for me to just say my, the sins are forgiven, but what if this dude just got up and walked? Then what? And he says, hey, pick up your mat and go home. Guy rolls up his mat, stands up, rolls up his mat, walks over. By the way, they wouldn't let him in, but they let him out. They were like, whoa, you know what I mean? And the dude, the dude leaves, and he goes, this is like, to me, this is like a drop the mic, boom, altar call moment, right? Like, all he had to say was, the one who has the power to do that is the one who has the power to forgive. The one who has the power to do what just happened in your sight is the one who has the power to forgive sins. And so Jesus comes as the inbreaking kingdom of God, and he says, I've come to crush the evil one, I've come to restore the broken, and I've come to forgive sinners. Which we are all in the boat of needing forgiveness of our sins. So today I wonder if there are some of us in here that feel like you're in a spiritual battle. Meaning you know that the evil one, the powers of darkness have waged some sort of war in your house. Maybe in your heart, maybe in your life. I don't know if you've ever felt the weight of a spiritual battle. Anybody? Just kind of nod your head if you felt that in your life before. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We know this, right? It says that in John 10.10. 10. And as much as there is a God in heaven that loves us and cares about you and, and loves you with everything that he has, as much as that is true, it is also true that there's an enemy that hates you, everything about you, wants to destroy you, kill you, take you out. And sometimes the truth of that is also that it's, it's very sobering, yet at the same time, it helps me understand how much my hope needs to be rooted in Christ because he's the only one that can overcome the evil one. He's the only one that, that I've ever heard stories about or read scriptures about or know the truth that the only thing that those things run and flee from is him. That's the only thing. The only thing that a demon is going to run and flee from, the only thing that Satan and the enemy is going to run and flee from is Jesus Christ the name above all names, the one who is seated at the right hand of God, the one who is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. A few years ago, right before we moved into this building, Christy and I were in a strong spiritual battle. It was going on in our life. And what I mean by that is we've always believed that during this season, about the, this is, honestly, some of you are here, it's about the three months prior to us moving into this building, there was a lot going on. It was a very exciting time, but it was also a very, very busy time, a lot to, a lot to happen. And in, those, in that time, uh, we, there's all sorts of crazy things that happened. Christy broke her ankle like, ankle, like, terribly. 
to the point to where she couldn't walk on it for three months, non-weight-bearing. And she was out, and she was, she, of course, for me, is like, you know, my right arm, right? Or more so. And so it was like, now she couldn't do anything at home or here, and we're at crunch time. Are you with me? And then on top of that, we wreck our car. On top of that, she gets her purse stolen, literally, everything inside of it. On top of that, I'm stressed out to the max. I have neck pain, back pain, all sorts of weird stuff. I'm like, I'm like an old guy or something. I don't really know what's going on with me. I've never felt these sorts of things. And it was just one thing after another. I was getting a little sleep, and we felt like the enemy was literally trying to take us out during a time that was really, really good. But even though the spiritual battle was waging, we also felt the Spirit of God and the power of Jesus in our life, giving us strength, sustaining us, filling our hearts, giving us what we needed. And in a time of spiritual battle, we learned that he was enough. And I just want to say this, if you're in a battle right now, he is enough. He can give you all you need. He has come to crush the head of the serpent. Enemy, or the, the evil, the enemy flees in his presence. And, and I don't know, if you're in a spiritual battle right now, you feel it on you like it's a weight. I just want you to know and I want you to receive today that he is enough. He will help you through. Or perhaps the second one, maybe you feel broken today. You feel like life is in pieces. Maybe you've walked through a lot of pain or a lot is going on in your life right now that you would say, if I was gonna describe my life, broken is a pretty good word. And here's what I know, I know that there are people in this room right now that is so true of. Maybe you've had a broken relationship, a broken heart. Maybe you've been hurt, maybe you've failed. Remember what Jesus did, he touches what is broken. And what was broken becomes made new doesn't it? What was unclean became clean, but also what is broken becomes new. He is restoring everything. And I can think of times, Christy and I, we've had to walk through brokenness in our life. We've had to walk through pain. Sometimes it's individually, sometimes it's both of us, whether it be through a miscarriage in our life, whether it be through someone hurting us, whether it be through even seeing our kids walk through difficult things with their own life and helping them through brokenness. What do you do in those times? What do you cling to? So often the, 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 the cliche in this world is time heals. <laughs> and, and I'm telling you, if you're clinging to time to kind of fix your problem, um, time is pretty powerless. Time is definitely not what I want to put my hope in. I want to put my hope in Christ, that I know the truth is that Jesus touches things and he fixes them and so if you feel broken right now i know you've probably said well i've cried out to jesus what i'm wait we're not done i have more for you to, to hear today that i think will help but what i want to say to you is there's nothing else that can heal the brokenness in your life outside of jesus christ sure time does some work on us it helps us forget it helps us cope but healing restoration, renewal, that is from Jesus. If you need the power of Jesus' touch on your life, maybe today is that day for you. 
or maybe you're here and you and you need you would say I do <laughs> it's weird to say this but I need the forgiveness of my sins listen we all know we need forgiveness we all know that we need his grace every day but if you're here and I would say it more like this if you're here and you're walking in shame and you're walking in guilt and you're walking in this time in which you feel like I know I have unconfessed sin in my life I'm just not dealing with it I just want you to know that you can experience his forgiveness. It's, it's available to us every day. His mercies are new every morning. You can confess your sin and you can ask for forgiveness. And he'll say to you, he'll say to you as he always has said to everyone who's ever asked for it, your sins are forgiven. He wants to deal not with your external challenges first. He wants to deal with your internal need first. Remember, remember the, the story of the man and the mat? He had plenty that he could have just went to, but he went first to his condition and his soul. So maybe today you just need forgiveness. You need to confess sin. I want to bring you something to, to another part. I want to go all the way back to the beginning. What, we, what was the first five words I said, right? Remember, I want to bring you back to the beginning of where we started. And it said, after John was put in prison, Jesus started preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Isn't that a strange sentence? It's almost paradoxical, isn't it? It's like, what? John is in prison and Jesus is preaching the kingdom of God? Eh, eh, eh. Doesn't make a lot of sense. Why didn't Jesus do something about John? Because we know the story of John, he eventually goes on and gets beheaded. If he's his friend, Jesus has the power, why didn't he fix everything? Now you're with me. Why does evil still exist? Why does brokenness still exist? Why does it keep continuing? Why do I continually sin and why do I need forgiveness? Why is John sitting in a cell while Jesus is preaching the gospel? You ever wondered that? There's a thing called kingdom theology and kingdom theology says this, the kingdom is now and not yet. Meaning the kingdom of God currently exists in this world, but is not yet in its fulfillment. And it won't be in its fullness until the second coming of Christ, which is a whole nother message. I bring this up because I, I do think for a lot of us, we wonder when is the battle going to end? When is the spiritual battle going to be lifted? When is the brokenness going to finally be fully restored? Or maybe when, when will I have no more sin just kind of coming over my life where I continually ask him for forgiveness. He comes with good news, but he also says this world will still have trouble. This world has not yet been totally restored, and I think we all know that, but I think we sometimes have to get at what is the message of Jesus, and he says, I've come and I am restoring, I-N-G, I am healing, I-N-G, I am forgiving, I am crushing the evil one, The kingdom is now, but it is not yet in its fullness. So life with Jesus, which I think is very interesting that he did it this way, will not be perfect and free of the brokenness in the present times. However, life with Jesus is responding, is, is, is responding to the call to repent and believe the good news of Jesus, right? That's the first thing he says. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news is, is here. I'm bringing you good news. That's the first thing he says. And then he goes, oh yeah, by the way, follow me. 
you might have to drop your nets in, in, in order to follow me. I want you to change your life as you follow me and make you your, make me your king. And when you're going you're gonna to start seeing the inbreaking kingdom of God, it is not full, it is not done, it is not complete, but it is breaking in. And what you're going to start seeing is the enemy will be pushed back. It'll start running in my presence and we will start crushing the evil one. We will also start bringing restoration and healing the broken. And we will start seeing people fall to their faces, asking for the forgiveness of the sins. And Jesus is the only person who has the power, because what's easier to say your sins are forgiven or is it easier for some to see a miracle happen? He's the only one who has the power to forgive us. That my friends is the message of Jesus. That's what he came to do and he came to, he came to give us, it's a gift. And the inbreaking kingdom of God is at hand. Yet we walk in the time in which we see the conflict of two kingdoms and we get to be a part of the one that wins. Will you bow your heads with me? Today I'll say this, if you're in a spiritual battle, I wanna invite you to come to the altar and pray today. You can let people pray with you if you want or you can just pray on your own. But if you're in a spiritual battle right now, let today be a day of ministry for you, a day of where Jesus comes and he says, I will join you and stand with you in this battle and I will push back the enemy and his work. Come and pray today at the altar. Today, if you're broken, I want to invite you to come to the altar and ask Jesus to touch you, to touch you in a way that, that brings the brings the restoration that you're asking for to invite him to do a work in your life. So today, if you're, if you're broken or you're walking through a deep struggle and you want Jesus to just hear your heart today, come to the altar and pray. And today, if you need to confess sin and you need his forgiveness today, invite you to go to the altar to come and confess it before God and ask for his forgiveness. There'll also be prayer people. If you want to confess it to a brother or sister, we have a prayer team here ready to do that. And then lastly, I would say this, come to the altar for one more thing. If today you want to follow Jesus, you go all the way back to where it started. And you, if you need to drop everything and follow Jesus, if you need that moment in your life where you've said, I am dropping everything and following me, following Jesus. If you need that moment in your life, come to the altar. Find me, find, find a prayer team member, and we'll pray with you as you choose to follow Christ today. Father, Holy Spirit, we pray right now in your presence that anybody with any of those things that just needs to come and let you do ministry in their heart, that, Lord, they would find that freedom today to do so, find that courage to do so. Thank you for your message. Thank you for the inbreaking kingdom of God that is at hand. Lord, we love you. We give you this time. In your name we pray, amen. If you want to stand with us.